0: If you listened to last week's podcast, you heard my big news. I have a new sponsorship for this year. Homeland Credit Union has graciously and generously decided to partner with me and my podcast this year, and I could not be more excited. We love Homeland. My mom and dad have banked there for as long as I can remember. My husband and I have accounts there and we opened accounts for our kids. So we have three generations of family banking there, and it has been absolutely wonderful. It is pure nostalgia for me anytime I go in with my kids because I remember being a little girl going in with my parents. They have the best customer service. They are so helpful, and they will answer all of your questions, anything you need. So any banking needs that you may have, give them a call 740 775 3331 and be sure to let them know that Elena sent you. Hi there and welcome to another episode of Pour It Out with Elena Beverly. I'm your host Elena and I'm super excited to have you join me. Today on the podcast is one of my absolute favorite things that we do, the chat with a pastor. I have absolutely loved highlighting some of the pastors here in our city. And I am so excited for the ones that I get to talk to this upcoming year. It is one of my absolute favorite things to do. I love hearing their hearts. I love hearing what they have to say about our city. And I just love hearing from them. Some of them, I have never personally gotten a chance to have a one-on-one conversation with more than just, hey, how you doing? and so it's just really, really special. And even the ones that I do know and do get to talk to, our conversations have been different and rich and deep, and I have just enjoyed every bit of it. And I hope and pray that you have too, and that you will continue to. So today I have Pastor Christopher Van Buskirk from Center Point Church, and it is an incredible conversation. I loved doing it. I loved, I just listened back to it. Um, and I loved hearing everything that he had to say. Um, one thing, and I say this, you'll hear me say this in the podcast, but I want to start out telling you, if you don't know, Pastor Chris is he has got such a heart for this city. And I have watched over the past several years, uh, just, him fight for that, you know, when things have been said about Chillicothe, when there's been negativity spread about our town, he has been one of the people who has stood up and said, no, 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 that's not true. That's not who we are. This is who we are. And, um, it is incredible. And he just loves our city. He loves the people in our city and, that really shines through in this episode. And it's fun. I got to hear a little bit of how he got started and it's just a really good conversation. So I hope that you enjoy it. Grab, grab a cup of coffee. (laughs) Obviously I'm needing some coffee right now. (laughs) Grab a cup of coffee or whatever drink you prefer and, um, join us as we pour it out. Well, Hey pastor Chris,
1: Hey, Elena. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for being here or letting me be here.
1: Yeah, thanks for thanks for putting me on. I mean, you've had some of my favorite people in the whole wide world on your podcast. So love what you're doing and love that I get to be a part.
0: Yes, I am excited. Um, okay, well, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about you.
1: A little bit about me. Let's see, where do you start? So I grew up in, in Southern Ohio my whole life. Grew up in Kingston my mom and dad faithfully pastored the same church for over 30 years. And you really, I have found, as I've gotten older, you have two versions of of pastor kids, or as we call it in the church world, the PKs, right? You have the pastor's kids that grew up hating the church uh, because newsflash, the church is not perfect. Mm -hmm. The staff's not perfect. The leaders aren't perfect. The people aren't perfect, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, and, And so you have people that either hated the church or, You have people that love the church. And I think that the linchpin in all of that for so many PKs that I've been around are the parents. Mm -hmm. And I had great parents. Mm -hmm. I had um, a dad who loved Jesus and he loved my mom and he loved all all three of his kids. And he just loved people well and he was a great leader. And he believed that churches could do things in different ways and still be on the same team. Mm -hmm. He instilled that value in me early, and I grew up absolutely loving the church. And so he's not here anymore. Um, Fifteen years ago, he passed away, and my mom's still here. Love my mom. She's been on your podcast, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite people that Mm -hmm. have been on your podcast, and shared a little bit of that story with people about grief and, and how to overcome that. But I really think so much of my experience with the church from a young age was positive, because of how my mom and dad led and how they showed my brother and sister and I how to, how to love people and, and lead well. And so flash forward, grew up in the church. Even when the church doors weren't open, it felt like we were there. I loved that. I was just telling somebody the other day, one of my fondest memories of growing up in children's church was drinking apple juice. And eating potato stick snacks. Do you know what potato uh-huh. sticks are? Yes, I like do. Like one of the most underrated <laughs> snacks. I don't even know if they still make they do. them. But somebody was asking me to describe them. So tell me if you track with this. I said the way I would describe a potato stick is if a classic Lay's potato chip and a McDonald's french fry had a baby. Yes. And that's a potato stick. Yeah. Because it's, it's thin and looks like a uh-huh. small McDonald's french fry, but it tastes kind of like a Lay's uh-huh. potato chip just uh-huh. in like french fry form. Uh-huh. And so... Uh, but I, a little thicker, like little it's got bit. like
0: a legit like potato, yes. like consistency. Yeah, it's, it's a great snack. And
1: mm-hmm. so we, I felt like we had those every week. And so I grew up loving the church, being in church, eating potato sticks and drinking apple juice in <laughs> church. Um, grew up going to youth group and just loved being part of our student ministry, loved getting the lead, uh, thanks to Pastor Aaron Hines. Uh, I got to learn and kind of cut my chops on what it looked like to actually lead people as a student leader. And so my wife and I were high school sweethearts. We met at a youth camp that our churches kind of did together, and she was not giving me the time of day for months, and I just kept going. Persistence pays off for the people listening to the podcast that need encouragement. Persistence over time pays off. And so we met at a youth camp. And about a year and a half after we met, started dating while we were both still in high school. Um, Her dad was a worship leader. She was involved in church her whole life. And one of the first questions she asked, Elena, literally one of the first questions she asked when we started to get kind of serious in our dating relationship, she's like, you don't want to be a pastor, right? Because I don't want to be a pastor's (laughs) wife. And I looked at her and 100% with all authenticity and honesty I had in my body said, don't worry, I'm ne- never, <laughs> never going to be a pastor. It's just not going to happen. And we both believe that. And I guess now we're living examples of why you never say never. <laughs> because while we were in college, finishing up college, <laughs> heading in a completely different direction, we just felt like through a series of events, God was calling us back to Southern Ohio. He was reminding us of all the people we had grown up with that weren't in church anymore. They had been in church and mm-hmm. left the church. I think we live in an area of the country where it's hard to find people that are what I would call unchurched, mm-hmm. meaning they've had no real experience with the church. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people in this part of the country that are more dechurched. They've mm-hmm. had an experience with faith, they've gone to church at some point, regardless of what that church's theology or um, or background might be, but they've left. And mm-hmm. so we just felt like God was calling us back to step into that and to do that. And we had no idea what we were doing. We were way too young to be doing it Uh, in the middle of walking all that out. We got pregnant with our first child. And so here we are um, moving back in May of 2008 with a lot going on. We just had our first child Uh, just a couple months earlier. We had lost my dad and yet we knew that God had called us to do this. and So we were just being obedient, open hands, open hearts and saying, all right, God, you're going to have to show us. And he has. And so this September... Uh, We will celebrate 14 years as a church at Centerpoint, and it's just been a crazy ride. Wow. Yeah.
0: And then, okay, so you had, who's your oldest? Aubrey. Aubrey. Yeah. Okay. And then, but then you have two more.
1: Yep. Owen and Levi. So, Aubrey's 15 now, and Owen is 14, and Levi's 11.
0: It's so crazy. So your sister Christy was my nail girl Mm -hmm. slash therapist for (laughs) eight, nine years. And so I got to watch Levi, especially all of them, but especially Levi grow up because I saw her every two weeks and every two weeks she would have all the stories. And so it's so funny. I told her one day, I was like, it's so creepy. Cause then when I see him in person, he has no idea who I am, <laughs> but I'm like,
1: but you know him,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have heard all of the stories and I know all about you. Um, so he, for sure. I mean, I've heard about all of your kids, but he's the really, really fun one to hear about. Yeah.
1: He's, he's, uh, we, we always joke with people, you know, you have the family picture and They've all got those beautiful smiles and you see Levi. And if you look close enough, you can just see the ornery in that uh-huh. smile. You can just uh-huh. you can see it, man. It's just there. <laughs> but yeah, so, so it's been a crazy journey. And you know, the blessing, I think, for Kristen and I is that our kids have never known a life that hasn't required extremely audacious faith mm-hmm. and just trusting God. And I think as they get older, you start to realize that it has shaped them in in the best possible way. Like they've seen it all. I mean, they've seen the crazy early days Mm -hmm. where we had nothing and nobody. And they've seen God's favor on our church now and how He's allowed us to keep reaching people. And all three of them still love the church. Mm -hmm. And so we're super grateful for that. And they're all involved in the church. And we've got all three of them now because Levi's just it just started sixth grade. And so for us, once you're in sixth grade, you can start serving on the team and and now, instead of just being in kids, you're helping serve kids. And so all three of our kids serve in the church. And we just love that. We just oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, my first question is um, what do you feel like the Lord is saying over Chillicothe right now? And before you answer that, I think it was just yesterday or maybe the day before, I had a memory pop up on Facebook of you. Um, it was a clip I had shared of you. You have always, always, always been someone who has championed our city. Mm. You have always been even, you know, several years back when they made the documentary about how yes. bad Chillicothe is yeah. and all the things. Your vo- When I think back to that, your voice was among the loudest. That has always been like, I mean, you had a whole thing that I have shared over and over and over about, you know, the name and mm-hmm. what, you know, this is what they say we are, but mm-hmm. this is who God says we are. And so um, I've been excited to ask you that, what you feel like he's saying over Chillicothe now, because I feel like you specifically are someone who's always been very tuned into to what he's doing here and what he has to say about our city specifically. So all of that, what do you feel like he's saying now?
1: Yeah, I love that question. And thanks for the kind words. I, I think, you know, part of our part of our our vision statement as a church focuses on this 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 phrase forgotten cities. We say that we feel like part of what God's called us to do as a church is transform forgotten cities in Ohio. And I, I feel like even during that season, like when you reference that, I feel like That was a season where god was really starting to make some things clear in my heart and when you're when you're from a small town in a world that just keeps getting bigger you do feel like you can get lost i think people that live in small towns feel like they can get lost i think people that live in small towns feel like they're overlooked and yet all we have to do is go to the very beginning of the new testament to get a reminder that we serve a god who's always been in the business of allowing big things to come out of small towns it was the little town of bethlehem mm-hmm.
0: where this mm-hmm. whole
1: movement you know of faith in the church started and so i feel like god often takes me back to that and i feel like in different seasons he will bring different things into focus and so i didn't know you know you were going to ask that question until right before we sat down and and i was thinking about something that i really feel like About a week ago, God just like put in my heart and, and has just, I'm stirring on it. I'm stirring on it a lot. So there's this, there's this famous painting by this artist, uh, I believe you pronounce his name Goya, It's Mm G-O-Y-A. And he was a, a famous, a famous French painter. And he painted this, this painting, it's really eerie. It's, it's almost disturbing. And it's this, it's called the, um, the fear of folly or the folly of fear. And it's this big, monstrous-looking creature just towering over all these much smaller people beneath that are running away, and they're terrified. And the history of this painting is that he painted it as what he would later say was a reflection of himself at the time, and, and he felt like a lot of people... I think you had spain and portugal and the united kingdom that were all fighting they were at war and it would be what we now call the Peninsular war and so in like 1815 1816 he painted this and yet this word folly like him putting that in the title of this painting is so significant because it's this reminder that even though fear is real real to follow it is folly to follow it leads us nowhere. Mm-hmm. It leads us down a road we don't want to go. And so as I think about our city and I think about the beauty of this city that we get to call home and this this part of the world that we get to live in that I think is just really extra special. I think that the enemy loves to do nothing better than lead us in fear mm-hmm. and just convince us <clears throat> that things are going to get worse before they get better. And that this division that we've experienced as a country—that's also hit at home mm-hmm. for all of us. This this idealistic place, if you will, that kind of for numerous people that live here over the last several years, just feel like it's shattered. Right? Oh, there's there's bad things that happen here. There's bad people that live here. Mm-hmm. There's we don't all agree politically. We don't all we don't all line up socially. All these things, right? That that as grow as a person that grew up here for years, even though that was there, it felt like it was unseen it Mm -hmm. felt like it was in the background like man we just all get along and this is all great and i feel like what god is speaking to me about our city and this 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 region that i have the privilege to live in and to lead in is don't believe the lie of fear like fear is a liar Mm -hmm. and so what do we do well as followers of jesus which you and i both are we allow faith to guide us instead Mm -hmm. of fear. And so fear is folly, but faith moves us forward. Mm -hmm. And so this word forward is just like move forward. Like I've got better for you. The best days are not behind you. Mm -hmm. Keep moving forward into the things of God. And I do think that despite what people on the outside might look at us and say, you and I both know there is a spirit of unity in mm-hmm. this town. There is a spirit, spirit of togetherness. Mm-hmm. And even people that might not align and agree on all these things have worked together, especially since 2020, mm-hmm. for the sake of the common good. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we might not all agree on all the things, but we all, for the most part, agree on what we want, which is a safe wonderful community Mm -hmm. for our family and our friends to live in and to be a part of. And so if we want to move forward into those things of God, then we have to leave the lie of the enemy that is that fear to the wayside. And we have to keep moving forward, trusting God with faith. That's why I think faith gives us the edge that nobody else has, because if we don't have faith, then we will allow fear to guide us. And that will lead us to folly in places that we don't want to go.
0: Yeah. I love that. And, you know, going back to like, that teaching that you had done you know it was all about you change the name mm-hmm. you know that was yeah. the whole that was the title of it was you change the name and um and that's what you're doing i mean that's it even goes with that like so it's it's interesting that that's been a common it presents itself in different ways but it's the same message mm-hmm. you know instead of giving into the fear you focus on faith instead of giving into what people label things as you change the name and see it through God's perspective right. and through his lens. And so I love that. That's really good. Yeah. I'm going
1: to turn that into a sermon series at some point. I'm just not sure. Uh-huh. It. So stay tuned. I will. I'm going to find a way to use that piece of art. I don't know. I my creative wheels just yeah. you know, started spinning when I, when this, I felt like God dropped this in my lap, it was totally just reading an article and you see one thing and you uh-huh. click one thing and then you're like, that'll preach.
0: Uh-huh. There's
1: something to that but I love yeah that. i think it's a significant time i think if we continue to move forward with faith instead of fear then then god is going to do significant things and we say that a lot at center point we talk about how god's motion is forward mm-hmm. so it's it's moving ahead it's he doesn't want to pull us back to the right. things even good things right like sometimes we can stay we can want to go backwards because oh i liked that better mm-hmm. back there no 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 god's motion is forward and there's there's good and there's more and there's abundance if mm-hmm. we just keep moving forward so
0: yeah I love that. Well, I want to go backwards Mm -hmm. a little bit into your story. And, um, I have always been really interested to ask. And so I thought, well, what better (laughs) chance than now? Um, so you had mentioned when you were talking about your life and your, just your personal, um, That when you and Kristen got together, you had said, I will never be a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so my question is, how did that change? How did you, what shifted in you to say, okay, I do want to be a pastor. And then also how did you take, you know, because you, your dad was a pastor. Mm -hmm. He was incredible. I unfortunately did not get the opportunity to meet him, but I went to new life under Skip who adored him. Um, so I always heard about him and I knew all about him. I never got to meet him. Um, but you pastor in very different ways. Mm -hmm. So how did you get called into it? And then how did you kind of take, you know, this mantle or this, you know, what this generational blessing that was passed down and turn it into your own? Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: I think it all starts, you know, I was talking about the opportunities I had to lead at church growing up as a student, like as a person that was a young teenager as part of a youth group. And I think part of it started by being in a church culture that my parents created where there were guardrails, but it was also, here's the keys, go ahead and start driving on the freeway. And I'm very grateful for that. I, I think now that we're in this season where we've got teenagers and we're 14 years in and some of the some of the kids that that we started the church with are now young men, young women, you know, they're they're finishing high school. They're starting college. I look back and realize how significant that was to be in a church that just let us lead and let us do and let us be who we are. Were And so what I didn't realize when that was happening was how much God was using that to plant seeds about rallying people together and creating, creating a culture where people that maybe aren't familiar or inclined to attend church would be interested in coming to church. And so, you know, when we were in college, when Kristen and I were in college and we were finishing everything, my, my dream really was to work in music business or sports marketing and so i got a job between our junior and senior year it was an internship that was paid in cincinnati we moved to cincinnati for the summer i got this job it was two different internships one of them was a marketing firm that worked with the cincinnati reds and the bengals and i was like this is great and so i did both of these internships and we thought for sure based on how all that had played out we we're in the middle of summer, we were thinking like, God's going to, we're going to come back here. Like, we're going to come back here. We're going to be in Cincinnati. This is where we're going to raise our family. And I am a sports guy and I've always loved the Reds and the Bengals. And so it was great, you know, Mm -hmm. and it was close to home, but away from home, all those things. And then in, during that summer, we just kind of committed to visiting different churches and uh, visiting different communities. And during that summer, we felt like, That's when God was really starting to tug on our hearts of uh, this is maybe not what I have for you. Like you need to go back and you need to do something. And so we thought initially just being rational. Unfortunately, God isn't always rational. He's (laughs) irrational sometimes with what he asks us to do. And that's what it feels like in the moment. And we thought, okay, we're going to go back and serve in ministry and learn how to do that. I didn't even I, I don't even know, Elena, if I knew the term church planning yet Mm -hmm. like i don't think Mm -hmm. i even knew that i I mean i grew up around the church involved in church but it was kind of like you were on staff at a church and then somebody passed that baton to you so i this idea was foreign and shortly before that summer we had experienced this church in wilmington north carolina close to carolina beach where we were as broke college students spending spring break at a condo that Kristen's parents were paying for, right? They invited us to come and we were like, yeah, we're broke as a joke.
0: That sounds
1: (laughs) great. And we, she had family there that had never really been interested in church. They'd never really been interested in God. They weren't anti-church. They weren't anti-God. They just had never done it. And they would not stop talking about this church called LifePoint that they were attending and experiencing. And so while we were there on that spring break trip, we were like, let's check out this church. We check out the church. It was unlike any church experience I'd ever seen. I felt like it was a church that unchurched people and dechurched people would want to show up at, and would be interested in showing up at. And at the end of that service, I didn't know at the time they had they were a church plant. This is, to my recollection, the first time I would hear that phrase, church plant. And they had been they had just celebrated one year. They were set up and tear down in a gym. The pastor was wearing jeans and flip-flops. I'm like, what is this? Right? <laughs> I've never seen this. But around a lot of churches, I've never seen this. But what I did see was a church that was having a massive impact on some of my wife's relatives and was changing their family dynamic. I mean, these are people that weren't involved in church and now they're giving and they're serving and they're inviting and they won't stop talking about it. So I go up and I introduced myself to the pastor, his name was Jeff Capusta. And I just told him, I gave him a little bit of my background and I was like, man, I don't like, I'm just so overwhelmed by what I just saw here. I've never seen people that look like the people in your church mm-hmm. come to church. I, I don't know that I've ever seen a pastor on a Sunday morning preaching jeans. maybe Wednesday night, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe Wednesday mm-hmm. night, but not on Sunday morning. And so we ended up having coffee that week. And I told him, I'm like, I don't even know why I'm talking to you. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with this, but I feel like God brought us here for a reason wanted us to to see this for a reason so that that net that was the spring that summer when we feel like god's calling us to do ministry pastor jeff was my like call man i'm like i don't know how else to process this with and i didn't want to tell anybody else yet so we start talking and i find out what church planning is and i find out there's organizations that can help do that and when Kristen and I both felt like it was clear, we knew that we had to each tell our parents. And so we tell our parents, and I didn't want to do that because I knew as soon as we did that, we're in. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget when we met my mom and dad at a Texas roadhouse in Cincinnati, Ohio for dinner to tell them this. They they both just lit up like Christmas trees. And my dad looked at me and he said, we're really glad you got the memo. <laughs> and what's crazy about that is that i never at any point felt any kind of pressure for my dad to do mm-hmm. ministry ever uh, ever like he never talked about that and i'm grateful for that because with my personality if he would have i would have pushed mm-hmm. away from that i would have been like no i gotta do my own mm-hmm. thing Dad. i gotta figure out my own thing and and so i'm really grateful that he didn't and then we you know we started talking about it and i just told him that i was submitted to his leadership like whatever he wanted me to do i was submitted and i felt like that was the right thing to do. I felt like it was the biblical thing to do, to submit to his spiritual authority and his leadership in my life. And he immediately was just emphatically encouraging us to, hey, I think you need I think this is a sooner rather than later thing. I think this is a now thing. I think our job is to help facilitate this the best way we can. And again, you're talking about somebody who believed diverse churches to reach diverse Mm -hmm. people. And I remember him and I having a very direct conversation where he told me that everything within him wanted me to come back and be at Church Triumphant with him and with my mom. And he said, but if you do that, people are always going to think you're just going to be me and you're not me. And you're going to reach people that I would never reach. You're Mm going to reach people with, we didn't even know the name yet. Mm -hmm. You're going to reach people with this church that we would never reach in our church. And he encouraged me to go do it. And to do what God had put in our heart to do. And I'm so grateful for that. Mm-hmm. And so he sowed seeds into that. He financially invested into that. He was the, him and my mom were the first investors in this whole dream that became Centerpoint. And I'm so grateful for that heritage. And I think, really, Elena, even in the early years, there were people that would be like, man, you're nothing like your dad. Your dad wouldn't <laughs> do it like that. You know, I don't know what your dad would think about that. And, You know, I was young and stupid, and in some ways it probably made me angry. But in other ways, I just knew that he wanted us to do what God had called us to do. And it gave me all the confidence to just Mm -hmm. keep doing what God had called us to do. And so that's what we did. We never looked back from it. And I think that's a big reason why God has, has blessed it, because we were obedient, not to what people did or didn't want us to do, but we just followed what God had called us to do and have tried ever since then to really create a space we i tell people all the time there is no church that does it better we just do it different,
0: different. Mm-hmm. and that's
1: good like different is good we're not all the same mm-hmm. and so why should our churches look the same as long as we keep the main thing the main thing right. which is jesus right then a lot of the other stuff that we stupidly and igor- ignorantly argue over mm-hmm. is such secondary mm-hmm. issues in most cases that we're better off to just, hey, let's remember what unites us instead of what divides us. Let's move forward. And it's great that our churches are different because we live in a world full of people that are different. And so that's what we've been trying to do ever since is just create a different space where people far from God can draw close to God.
0: I love that. And it's so true. I mean, you know, if we were all the same, then we wouldn't be as effective because there's people who I have sent here who I'm like, you know, I love my church, mm-hmm. but they would probably hate it for mm-hmm. one reason or another. And therefore, but I know based on what I know about the churches in the area, you would thrive at center point or you would thrive over here at this church or you would thrive over here. And it's because it's just because it's my church doesn't mean it's the best church and doesn't mean it's the best fit. And so... That's what unity is and that's what diversity is, is that there's going to be people who the Lord's going to bring into your path. And that's why like these episodes are so important to me because I'm like, you know, no church is the perfect church. And right. so you're going to have, there's going to be people who listen to this or there's going to be people who know people who are going to he- think, you know, this friend, she's going to hate my, she doesn't want to come to my church, but ooh, she would probably really like that one. Yep you know, and go. And that's what it's all about. It's not about churches. It's about the Lord and yeah. bringing people to him. And so that's what the beauty of diversity and differences is.
1: Yeah. The, the kingdom of God is the only kingdom that doesn't fail and fall. Right. And so if we get caught up in building the center point kingdom. Right. Instead of his kingdom. Right it will fall like our kingdom will fall like the open door kingdom the center point kingdom the first wesleyan kingdom right, right? the first assembly ki- like we know
0: yeah. and
1: I, and and every church i just said i know the hearts of all of those pastors mm-hmm. and we share this heart together yeah. it's this and, and i know that we are, we are living in a community right now. And I believe these are seeds that my dad sowed years ago. Mm-hmm. My dad started a pastor's gathering with pastors from all different walks. It's where he met Skip, mm-hmm. you know, the pastor of the church you attended growing up. And they had such an incredible relationship. And you had Baptists and Episcopalians and a Presbyterian uh-huh. and a Lutheran and, and Charismatic. And you had all these pastors together. And the sole focus was to pray and figure yeah. out how we could, better serve the community together. And I believe what we see now is that all those churches that I just referenced and so many more, yeah. we are on team church. Yeah. And hey, this isn't about, I want you to connect to Jesus and grow in your faith. So if center point's not going to help you do that, let me tell you about Open Door. Right. Let me tell you about First Wesleyan. Let right. me tell you about First right. Assembly. Right. And we and when we have that spirit of unity in our heart, I believe God blesses it. And we're all on the same team. So when one of us is doing well, we're all
0: doing well. Right. Absolutely. Okay, I want to take a quick break and tell you about my incredible partners. First of all, Roast Coffee. It is located over in the Fort Collective, and they have the best coffee that you will ever, ever taste. Um, If you are someone who likes your coffee strong, I would say get an Americano. If you like your coffee sweet, get a Cubano, hot or iced. If you are a tea person, their London Fog is hands down my favorite. But I also really love their Chai, both hot or cold. And I love their Matcha. And right now they have a special, it's an orange cream Iced matcha, it is delicious. Go get one. Um, Let them know that Elena sent you and hurry up and get in there. (laughs) Um, Sweet William Blossom and Boutique is also located over on 2nd Street. Um, So you can go get your coffee and then go right down the street and get you some chocolate covered strawberries or a gourmet apple. You can ask them to cut the apple up for you, which saves a lot of work. Um, And it's easier to eat. They are delicious. They have so many different flavors. They're incredible. And also their flowers. Their flowers are the most unique, most beautiful flowers that I have ever seen anywhere. And I just, I can't say enough good things. With homecomings coming up, um, that is where you want to get your corsages or boutonnieres. So, go check them out. They will match whatever color that you have for your dress or your tie that you're needing to uh, match. And Annie and her crew, they work really hard to give you a special individualized um, flower. And so, they're absolutely beautiful. Cannot recommend them enough. And then, lastly, Maggie and Me Candle Company, they, the candles, this is. Fall scents are my absolute favorite, and theirs are amazing. Go check them out. They are offered um, anywhere around town. They sell them at High Five and New System Bakery. They sell them at Nelly Dog. They sell them um, different places around town, or you can find them online. Go to my website, www.alannahbeverly.com. To go to my partner page, and you can see a direct link to each of those places, or you can go check them out in person, but be sure to let them know that I sent you. Okay, back to the podcast. Okay, so one thing I know about you and I respect about you, it's probably the thing I respect most about you, is. your ability to speak truth no matter what. And I have seen it from the pulpit where you know you preach or you lead this church that is very welcoming to people who are unchurched or who have been hurt by church, you know, so very open-minded. Um, but also you stand firm on truth. Mm-hmm. and you don't sacrifice truth in the name of love or in the name of making people feel comfortable Mm -hmm. or anything like that Um, from the pulpit. I know of some personal, you know, situations that have happened where I know for a fact that you stuck with truth. You Mm -hmm. stood on truth and you didn't sacrifice it in the name of anything. Um, And then on social media, I mean, I think we've all been able to see that out of you more and more. There's been a boldness that has come out over the last few years Mm -hmm. um, where you've stood on truth. And so, especially in light of everything from 2020 where there was all the things, you were someone who was like, I don't care. I'm choosing to stand on truth. I'm choosing to speak up about truth. Um, I'm not gonna be silent on this issue. I'm not gonna be silent over here. This is a hill that I'm standing on, standing firmly on. Um, and so, number one, how has that been? How has that been being someone um, who is able to stand on truth no matter what mm-hmm. and pastor people of all different mindsets and things mm-hmm. well? Um, well, we'll start there. How's that Yeah.
1: Been? Um, so my dad used to say all the time, what you compromise to keep you will ultimately lose and i i think you could also say who you compromise to keep you will ultimately lose and so i think that it probably takes some seasoning on your ministry life to get to this place where you are able to more correctly balance this grace and truth mindset mm-hmm. And it's such an overused phrase in the church, right? We need to have grace, but we need to have truth. And I think most of us err towards one side or the other. Jesus was great at both. He -hmm. was very life-giving and very gracious with everyone. He interacted, but he also confronted sin and he shared the gospel. And then he tells us that the gospel will actually confront things in our life, right? And so I think of, I think of, different moments that jesus had in his life and earthly ministry i mean you think about the woman at the well right and here's this woman and he reads her mail and hey i know right now you're living with somebody you're not even married to and i know this isn't even your first go around with this whole thing and so he he accepts her in the very sense that he sits with her a jew and a samaritan not supposed to connect i mean i think we still draw lines like this today Mm -hmm. like I'm not supposed to be with you. You're not supposed to be with me. I know you think one way. I think the other. Well, Jesus, Jesus built bridges instead of walls. So he's always sitting down and connecting with people. He shouldn't have been right. Mm -hmm. Culture would have said he shouldn't have been. Religion would have said he shouldn't have been. So he always does that. But where all the religious people are wanting to judge him for that and throw a stone at him for that, they're not hearing the interactions he's actually having with people because the, the very fact that he's sitting with them, right? He takes Zacchaeus and he has dinner in Zacchaeus' home. And why would he eat and drink with the sinner? Why would he sit with this Samaritan woman at the well? But in every case, he's also confronting sin and he's tell he's showing them there's a better way. Well, how are we supposed to show people there's a better way if we don't invite them to the table first? And so I think part of what we are, and this is not just me, Elena, this is like I feel like for anybody. That is a person following Jesus, which I know not all of your audience is, but a lot of them are. Mm -hmm. We should have a burden for people that we know need Jesus in their life. Like if he's actually transformed me and he's transformed you, we should not be able to help but share that with other people and invite them to the table. When we invite them to the table, we should, we say it like this at Centerpoint a lot. We say, come as you are, but leave different than you came. Mm -hmm. That's the transformation Mm -hmm. part. And so we have to create a culture where people can come as they are. That is what Jesus did. And he took took a lot of heat from it from religious people. But in turn, when they came, they heard the truth. Mm -hmm. They heard it in love, but they heard the truth. And sometimes they even heard it more directly than other times. I mean, there are times where Jesus gets righteously angry about situations Mm -hmm. and things happening. But I also find this interesting, and I think this should keep those of us that are already Christians and following Jesus humble. Jesus more frequently gets angry, righteously angry at religious people Mm -hmm. than he does sinners, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's very telling. And I think when you ask like, how have I been able to do that in your perspective? How have we been able as a church to do that? I think so much of it stems from recognizing that we're all sinners in need of a savior, every single one of us, and that people can't, can't find their savior if we don't invite them in in the first place and so who am i to think that i'm better Mm -hmm. who am i to think that i'm more worthy than anybody else i just have said yes and they haven't yet Mm -hmm. and so why would i not create a space for them to do that but yet in doing that what i take seriously this is the calling i have as a preacher right so i have to preach and teach the truth Mm -hmm. and i think you talk about covid in 2020 and what that year was And that was for every pastor everywhere. Right. And yet I think that during that time and during that space, what I realized and what has allowed me to maybe since then be even more bold is this perspective that I'm convinced now more than ever, 14 years into this whole thing called pastoring and leading a church that when you are upsetting people on both sides of the issue you're probably doing it more like jesus Mm -hmm. because jesus offended the religious leaders Mm -hmm. he also offended offended the Mm non-religious who didn't want to hear the truth Mm -hmm. and so i've just actually found this great sense of peace in this season that i do think is directed by the holy spirit of you you cannot please everybody be truth preach the word be obedient to the word and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. And so part of being obedient to the word is creating a culture where everybody feels like they can come as they are, mm-hmm. but also preaching the truth so that the Holy Spirit can do what it wants to do, which is help them leave different than they came. And so I'm committed to that. I'm committed to that with any sphere of influence and platform that God gives me. And I'm just going to keep doing it because I think the gospel is that important. And I think we have to love people where they are. We have to show them that there's a better way to live. Yeah, I think it's what Jesus did, so I think it's what we should do.
0: I love that. I was going to ask you your advice on helping other people to do that, but you kind (laughs) of answered it, (laughs) you know, and just, it is, it's so good. And it's so true. And I, you know, we talked a little bit, um, in between. And so I said it off the mic, but I'll say it publicly too, is that, you know, you, you have done that very, very well. And you have paved the way for other people to see how it's done. And I know that, you know, by listening to your sermons, by hearing how you preach, um, but also in real life and personal life with situations that I know how you've handled things and you did it biblically. You did it in a way that was, you know, I'm going to stand on truth. And, you know, as we talked, like sometimes there is life change and sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't end well, but to have the peace to know, you know, that you, didn't sacrifice truth in the name of making people feel more comfortable in their sin.
1: Yeah. Thank
0: you for sharing that. Um, Well, what, I mean, we talked about Chillicothe. Mm -hmm. Um, We talked about all the things. Is there anything that we didn't talk about before I get to our, my last question for you? Is there anything that we, that I didn't specifically ask that you want to make sure that you say?
1: Oh, you know, I think there is. I think that one of the things I'm, I'm very mindful of as a founding lead pastor at a church is that you get way too much of the credit for stuff. And so a lot of people see what God's allowed us to do here in 14 years, and it is really special, but it's, it's nothing without a team. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: Kristen and I have just, we have an amazing team at this church. I mean, you've had Pastor Matt on here, Matt mm-hmm. Kaiser, and him and his wife, Amber, were our first launch team members. I mean, they were day one hey, we're in this thing with you. They they heard the name Centerpoint before anybody else heard it. They have been with us through every peak and every valley. We have amazing staff and leaders at this church. We have an amazing team at this church. We have people that have literally been here all the way back to 2009 when we were doing Setup and Teardown in Danbury Cinemas, which that season lasted for such a long time. <laughs> Doing church in a theater is a whole nother experience. (laughs) And a part of that experience in this town was explaining what the heck that even meant to people because they just (laughs) had no concept for it. And, and I, I just, I'm, I think Kristen and I both were just filled with grateful hearts. When we stop and look around and see all the people that have stayed, that have loved, that have led, that have given and served of themselves. And you are, absolutely, no matter what you lead, you are nothing without the mm-hmm. people that you get to do it with. And so I just think I would be remiss if if I didn't share that, because I do think, I think sometimes we're, we're guilty in church of just acting like it's all the, the pastors. And man, it takes a team of people mm-hmm. to live out that vision that God has put in a pastor's heart. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, he, he put that in my heart and in Kristen's heart, but we would be doing none of this without a team that grabbed onto that and took ownership of it.
0: Yeah. Now Pastor Matt
1: just gave a talk to our volunteers a couple of weeks ago where he talked about exactly that. He said, you know, if this if this vision just stays with our pastors, then this is where this whole thing ends. But if we take ownership of it, if mm-hmm. we pick it up and run with it, if, if we do the little things, it makes a difference. And so I'm just grateful for the
0: team we get yeah. to serve
1: with, the leaders we get to serve with.
0: Well, and we had talked before we started about how you know nothing's overnight, yeah. and um, and talking back to those days where it was at Danbury and then at Unyota and then at here, and I know back then, um, you know, it was a whole thing to set up and then to tear everything oh down. Gosh. I mean, it was like Sunday was like a whole day thing, yeah, starting early, early, early morning, and then preaching. I mean. You're down to two services.
1: So, so we will have, we'll add the second service back in September when we were at the school. You
0: did three, we didn't did you? We did
1: three at one point. Yeah. And it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. And when we were at the theater, we went from, we started in the smallest theater. We went from the smallest theater to the next one up, to the next one up, to two in that, the biggest one. Then we moved to Unioto, did three in kind of our, our biggest season of growth there and then came here and did two here for a long long time and then went back to one after COVID, and we're adding the second one back in september and we're excited about it ready for it can't wait yeah. so
0: but that's i mean proof to your point you there's no way that you could do that without an incredible team yeah and so um and even just the little things like i know you know one thing that i've always loved is that i know that you have people who go and like pray over all the seats and different things. And so I just, I remember hearing that for the first time several years ago. And I love that. You know, I'm sure other churches do it and it's fantastic, but I know that to be true specifically for here. And so it's the seemingly little things that are the biggest things, um, but the people who are willing to do that and to specifically pray over every single seat. And so the people that are doing the the heavy lifting and the manpower, but also the intentional intercession. Yeah. It all, it all matters. It all matters and it all makes a difference. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, what is the Lord speaking to you now?
1: To me personally? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. So I feel like, you know, I am, I am an Enneagram seven with an eight wing.
0: A strong A-Wing. <laughs> <laughs> Depends on the moment.
1: Depends on the day. But I know you know Enneagram and some of your audience probably does and some doesn't. But when you lean into that seven part, seven part is, man, I've got lots of vision and lots of dreams and lots of thoughts and let's go do this and let's do that and let's start this and let's, let's jump into this. And I feel like God is just reminding me There's a lot of dreams in there. And as weird as this sounds, I feel like if you would have asked me this question five years ago, I would have probably said finish as in finish all these things you've started, finish all these things you feel like God's put on your heart. But the interesting thing is I think I let a lot of my dreams that God had put in my heart die after 2020 Mm -hmm. because it was just so hard. Mm -hmm. Like Anybody that owned a business, that led a church, that was involved in leading people, it just got really hard. Mm -hmm. And the world was incredibly polarizing. And I think if I'm being honest as a pastor, so much of my focus shifted from what is God calling us to do next, which I feel like, again, because of a great team, I I was able to operate in that gifting for a long time Mm -hmm. of what's next and let's get to what's next. And I feel like despite having an amazing team when COVID happened, it was we just all have to get to Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like we got to do what's now. Mm -hmm. What's now is Sunday's coming. It's still coming. Whether we're online, whether we're in the building, Mm -hmm. if we're in the building, who knows how many people are going to show up. If we're online, who knows how many people are watching, right? And so I feel like just this survival mindset of like, let's just get to Sunday. Let's just Mm -hmm. get to Sunday without even realizing it. I just let a lot of dreams God had put in my heart die, mm-hmm. and so I feel like what God has been speaking to me this year and in this season has been start.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's time to start again. Mm-hmm. It's I just haven't started anything new for a while. I've been hesitant to start something new because there's still a burden here. There's still a calling here. There's, there's so much that God still needs done here. And so how do you start something different? How do you start something here? Even Mm -hmm. when there's so much that is still here that needs finished, how do you start something new here? And so I feel like God has really just been speaking loudly to me. And I have been over the past few months, stepping into more of what that looks like but I feel like God's just calling me to start again and and to to step into some of those dreams that I put on the shelf, and and it I don't think He asked me to put them on the shelf. I think in my flesh,
0: mm-hmm. trying to
1: solve all the things myself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I put them on the shelf
0: mm-hmm. because
1: well, how could I do that? Well, I forgot. It wasn't about me anyway. If right. He put it there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's up to Him. All mm-hmm. I have to do is be obedient and start and carry it out. And so, yeah, I think that's what He's. I think that's what he's speaking right now. And I'm excited. I don't know exactly what all that means and how all that will translate, but I am really excited about picking back up that ball and starting some things again. It's, it's been fun as I've started to step into mm-hmm.
0: it. I love that. I, it's interesting because it's a good reminder to know that even if you've shoved them or even if you've said, mm, maybe not, he's never forgotten. Them. That's right. And so he always brings it back at the right time. Mm -hmm. And that makes me excited. Makes me excited to see what, what you'll get into what he'll have you do. Um, well, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I have, I love your whole family. I mean, y'all are super, super, super special to me. Your mom is one of my closest friends. I mean, I just, I love your whole family. Um, but you personally, I just I have a deep, deep respect for, and I have a great respect for your perspective. Um, again, you are someone who I have always, I have always listened to, and I have always encouraged other people to listen to um, just your perspective, especially when it comes to our city. I appreciate that about you that you are someone who it's that seven optimist (laughs) (laughs) about you. I'm not going to give in to all the negativity. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to believe that, you know, this is whether it's the city, whether it's the church, whether it's unity, whatever the topic is, you're going to believe the best. And I think that's a gift. It's a gift that has been needed and is continued to be needed. And um, also the way that you, you do promote unity, and the way that you do it is by loving people well, but also never sacrificing truth in the name of that love. Mm-hmm. And so I have deep, deep respect for you and Kristen, appreciate all that you do. And um, I'm just thankful for you. Well, thank you,
1: Elena. I'm, we're grateful for you too. And you are, you know, I think this podcast is so, uh, so fitting that God would call you to do this podcast where you would be a gatherer of people because that's that's how I've always known you. You just, you get people together, you make things happen. Um, you never put yourself on an island where you only talk to one group of people or one type of person, and I think God's using that, and I'm I'm blessed to be on the podcast. Congratulations on being one year in. Thank you. So exciting, and I'm just glad that uh, you would ask me to do this and that I would get to do it, and thanks for being another voice that's promoting unity and togetherness and strengthen our community because we need it. So forward we go.
0: Yes. Wasn't that wonderful? Oh my goodness. I hope that you loved it as much as I did. One of the things that I love about Pastor Chris is his storytelling. I love that he never answers a question just with an answer. He has a story and he has an example. And I just love that. It makes talking to him interesting, it makes listening to him interesting, and I just really, really love it, and it made for a really fun, interesting, but also deep um, conversation, and I really enjoyed it, and I pray that it spoke to you. One thing that um, really stuck out to me that I loved was where he was talking about our city and what he felt like the Lord was saying. And he made this statement, fear is folly, but faith moves us forward. And I just, I love that, you know, fear is folly, but faith moves us forward. And so I hope that you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you have a wonderful week and I just pray that in this week that you will be people who, that we will be people who, Walk in faith and walk in faith and move forward in faith, trusting that the Lord is leading us and he is guiding us and he is faithful and he is good in every step that we take. Have a fantastic week and I will see you, join you back here next week for another episode of Pour It Out.